0: You're listening to Upstanders, stories of extraordinary citizenship in unexpected places. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan. Today we're going to meet Robert Clark. After spending his teenage years in and out of jail, he turned his life around, and now he's helping other people do the same. He now leads an organization called Youth Build that helps young people get high school diplomas while building much-needed housing in poor communities. Robert's story is coming up later, but first, I'd like to introduce you to the chairman and CEO of Starbucks. Howard Schultz. He and I sat down together to talk about the power of giving opportunities to young people. Howard, the subject of opportunity is something that is very important to you, close to your heart. A year ago, I really became acquainted with some of the challenges involving opportunity youth through conversations with you and was really struck to learn just how many millions of young people between the ages of 16 and 24 in our country,
1: aren't in school and aren't in work. What we have uncovered with this particular story around opportunity youth and one emblematic example of a great ordinary person doing extraordinary things is that someone can make a significant difference in the lives of those people who for one reason or another have not been given the chance and no longer have had the hope and opportunity that we believe is part of the American promise. And it's so inspiring to see the work of youth build and the leadership of this person you're about to listen to.
0: And now, here with the story, is Soojin Pak.
1: I believe as a young man I was searching for something
2: and I really didn't know what it was. I struggled with a lot of things that sort of happened to me as a
3: child. This is Robert Clark. Today, he heads up an organization that supplies at-risk youth with the tools they need to escape poverty. But growing up, Robert was lost.
2: My mother died when I was very young. And so there were a lot of things I I never got to say, questions I never got to ask. And so I had to wrestle with all these things as a young man. And so I just ran.
3: Robert dropped out of school in the ninth grade and spent most of his teenage life in and out of jail for petty crimes and drug use. When he was 21 and about to be released, he overheard some older inmates talking about what they were going to do on the outside.
2: And what they were talking about was exactly what got them incarcerated. And something about that frightened me. Something about that really made me say, I don't think I want
3: to do that. When Robert was released, he made a conscious choice not to go back to his familiar Boston neighborhood, where he knew he would fall back into old patterns.
2: I knew I wanted something different. I didn't have a clue what that was. But I was tired of being alone, and I was tired of running.
3: So he checked into a halfway house, and that's where he learned about youth build.
2: I saw an old friend that had a different bop about him. He, he was talking different. His face was shining. And he began to describe this program that he was in with a, a sense of purpose and electricity that I'd never seen before.
3: Youth Build USA is an organization dedicated to providing education and job training to low-income youth across the country.
4: They divide their time between working toward their high school diploma or their GED and building affordable housing for homeless or low-income people in their neighborhoods.
3: It's a win-win situation for both the young people and the communities YouthBuild serves. It's all knit
4: together with a big emphasis on community service and leadership development and building a safe, mutually respectful peer group of young people committed to each
3: other's success. This is Dorothy Stoneman. She's the CEO of YouthBuild USA. The idea for the program first came to her in the late 70s when she was living in New York City.
4: In 1978, when I was working in East Harlem in New York, it was clear something had to be done.
3: She saw hundreds of abandoned buildings, thousands in need of homes, and young people who wanted to be put to work. Where others saw three different disconnected problems, Dorothy saw a solution.
4: I asked the young people in East Harlem, what would you do to improve the community if I could get the money and the adult support for you to fulfill your vision? And they said we would rebuild those abandoned buildings and create housing for the homeless people in our neighborhoods.
3: So they put together a program with everything these young people said they needed.
4: They needed a path to education. They needed a path to a job. They needed a role to play that they could get paid for by producing something of value in the community. And they needed a way to really transform their identity so that they were a force for good.
3: But rebuilding their communities was just the start. As they changed the landscape around them, they started to see things differently.
4: So what the young people will say is, well, I came here looking for a GED, but what I found was a family. Because the staff cared more about me than anyone cared about me before, and then I was able to care about myself.
3: For Robert, a supportive, loving community had been missing in his life all along. He calls his first days with YouthBuild magical.
2: The program was structured in a way that it really allowed me to express myself and all the things that I had been thinking about for years and struggling with, this was a space designed to hear that. And that was important. I didn't know it then, but it was important to the development of who I am today. And I often often explain to folks that I was prepared to lead. I was prepared to serve.
3: Dorothy took Robert under her wing and introduced him to senators and congressmen, the decision-makers, so he could share his experiences directly. In his first public speaking event, Robert hit on a theme that would guide him for the rest of his career.
2: Why did young people have to go to jail before the intervention? Why do you drop out, commit crimes, have children, have all these struggles before you find pathways to opportunity?
3: He graduated YouthBuild in 1993, got his first job as an education coordinator, and then went on to college at Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey.
2: Newark is an incredibly rich place, incredible history, uh, with the people who have an incredible pride, an incredible sort of degree of grit and resilience, um, but is also sort of bound and often defined by poverty. And all of the the ills that come with poverty.
3: Things didn't work out exactly the way Robert had planned.
2: I came to Rutgers University and started my education, but it wasn't wasn't without challenge. There were still a lot of things that I had not worked through that I was still struggling with personally. You know, there's a saying in recovery, wherever you go, there you are.
3: Before long, he found himself lured into old habits.
2: It started with Thanksgiving break. Everybody went home. I stayed on campus by myself. Isolated, lonely, not connected to my family, um, not connected to anyone. And I began to unravel.
3: He started using again.
2: My greatest fear was always that I had just let everybody down. You know, I had blown an opportunity that was given to me. And when I reached out for help, I had no clue how many people were there, but they were all there. And so I never for the life of me expected that all of these people would just meet my challenge with love and they loved me until I learned to love myself.
3: With the support of his youth-built family, he reapplied to college and ended up finishing his degree at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. He was just starting to get his life back together when he got a call from an old friend at YouthBuild. They wanted Robert to come back to Newark to start up a new program.
2: And I had to really think about that, right? Last time I was in Newark, I had fell flat on my face.
3: This time, he was ready. In 2002, he became the director of YouthBuild Newark. Robert was the first YouthBuild graduate to take on such a role. As director, Robert would have to build one of Newark's first comprehensive job training and education programs from the ground up.
2: So in our early years in, in Newark, it was, it was fascinating because there wasn't a real large youth development movement. That didn't exist in the city of Newark. I remember one staff member in particular, when I was rambling about all these things we could do, She just stopped me and said, so you wanna change the paradigm of youth development in the city of Newark? I said, yeah, that's it, right there. And today we still laugh about that moment. So since we opened our doors in 2002, we've been able to serve about 2,500 young people, earn their high school diploma, obtain employment, uh, move on to college, and transform their lives.
3: Asan Foster is one of the many people who have been helped by Robert's work.
2: It gave
5: me a sense of purpose. Like, I can always say, whatever it is, that wall, I put that wall up. And someone's going to live here, and that's a part of their home.
3: Asan graduated from YouthBuild in 2008 and parlayed the skills he developed to get a job working with professional contractors.
5: Being back to what I was doing when I was younger, I would have never assumed I would have even had a job let alone be eight years into the same job.
3: In his senior year, Asan was arrested for stealing a car.
5: When I came home from incarceration, the school year was mainly over, so that's why I didn't finish. Got caught up in the streets again, selling drugs, uh, banning gang life.
3: And then it all fell apart when Assan's best friend was killed. It was then he knew he had to make a change. Asan's neighbor told him about Youth Build.
5: My first thought when I learned that it was just GED program is that, oh, I can do this, that's no problem. I've always been smart. I just made dumb decisions, but I didn't know anything about construction at all. I'm used to destroying things, not fixing them.
3: Youth Build showed him the power of a common cause.
5: They'll give you a task, and you have to work with five other people that you never met in your life to complete the task. And it takes all five minds to complete that task.
3: But the benefits of YouthBuild's program reach beyond the participants themselves.
5: I have two daughters, and being that I have a set schedule at my job, I definitely have time for my kids. I always have time to take them to school in the morning, and I always have time to help them with their homework
2: at night.
3: Robert says that YouthBuild sets up the next generation for success as well.
2: What YouthBuild gave to Hassan wasn't really to Hassan. It was to Hassan's children. Hassan was able to become a father and be present in his daughter's lives. The investment in a young person today is not just an investment in that young person. Preparing the young people today who will eventually be the parents of tomorrow is a service to the next generation.
0: Howard, I find Robert's story so inspiring. Here's a young man who was helped by YouthBuild. He got his life back on track and then could have gone on and just had a successful life. He could have gotten a job, raised a family,
1: lived in his own world, but he chose to continue serving. You know, in meeting Robert and sitting down with him, you're struck by somebody who is deeply, deeply motivated by the simple act of helping others and remembering where he came from. YouthBuild is an organization that you've actually known for some time. My wife and I have been very supportive of YouthBuild and Dorothy Stoneman. They are an extraordinary organization perhaps has helped more young people within the framework of Opportunity Youth than any other national organization in the country, and has done extraordinary work. And Robert's story is emblematic of that.
0: You know, as I was walking through the South Ward of Newark with Robert this summer, I thought to myself, why didn't I know more about this? Yeah. Here you see these young people with yellow hard hats and tool belts rehabbing houses that were once boarded up and then you walk through the houses that they have rehabilitated and they're beautiful, everything's new in them and then they're sold off to low-income homeowners. And so you're helping the community, transforming these streets and these neighborhoods and you're transforming people. And at the same time that they're learning these construction skills, they're getting their high school equivalency degrees. I mean, it's very powerful from a number of
1: different angles. It is the quintessential flywheel effect of almost every constituent within the framework that is involved in YouthBuild from beginning to end benefiting from the work that they are doing. And
0: one thing that struck me, and I know it strikes you when you engage with opportunity youth across the country, is when you start to engage in conversations about what do you now want to do now that you've learned these skills,
1: now that you've received your high school diploma. They're unleashed with ambition. They're unleashed with the thought of, I could do so much more. And I think everyone that we've met has this underlying conviction. That now that they've been given this chance and this opportunity, they have to pay it forward.
0: Want to know more about YouthBuild and Robert Clark? Go to Starbucks.com slash Upstanders for more. On the next and final episode of the season, we'll introduce you to Maria Rose, a young woman who was upset by how much food was being wasted in the one place it was meant to be saved, at her local food pantry, so she devised a novel way to get that food to the people who need it and keep it out of the dumpster. That's next time on Upstanders. If this is your first time listening, we've heard some incredible stories this season, like that of Susan Rahr, who's reforming how police are trained, or Lloyd Pendleton, who's changing how cities look at homelessness. If you haven't heard those, go back and check out our earlier episodes. If you enjoyed the show and want to get the word out, the single best way to do that is to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. And if you're really inspired, teach someone new how to download a podcast. It's easy. Sujin Park narrated our story. Casey Holford composed our music. This is a Starbucks original series produced by Panoply with Fanny Cohen, Andrew Chug, Margaret Kelly, Whitney Donaldson, Jordan Bell, Ann Hepperman, and Rob Aber. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan. Thanks for listening.